0: Blog Talk Radio Good afternoon everyone This is Beth Bond coming to you Live from the Southeast on Speaking of Green, the weekly podcast that is a production of Southeast Green. I am your hostess and curator of Sustainable News at Southeast Green, and today we are continuing our conversation on Solarize Decatur to And we've been uh, interviewing folks and looking at different perspectives, so people who are thinking about doing a Solarize program will know all the different sort of aspects that happen in the Solarize program, and today we've got the guy who makes it all work. We have Don Moreland, who has 15 years, uh, he had 15 years of legal experience in real estate before he got into the solar industry in 2011, developing distributed generation and utility scale solar PV projects. Don has developed several megawatts of solar for TVA and Georgia Power solar programs, as well as as commercial and residential applications providing turnkey development services, including site selection, financial modeling, program and incentive compliance, and permitting and contract drafting and negotiation. Don is the founder of Solar Crowdsource, a platform to facilitate solarized community solar and peer-to-peer crowdfunding programs and rapidly accelerate the growth and reduce soft costs of solar in Georgia. Don is proud to serve as chair of the Georgia Solar Energy Association, is a member of the Georgia Solar Energy Energy Industries Association and a member of the State Bar of Georgia. Welcome, Don.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Don, you were really instrumental in both uh, Solarize Athens and Solarize Decatur Decab. But before we get into sort of the the nitty gritty of those details, tell us what attracted you to solar.
1: Oh, gosh what's not to like about solar the uh i was doing a lot of real estate work in uh early in my legal career and um had a couple of law offices uh, uh in atlanta and then another one in nashville and around 2007 as we all know the bottom fell out of the uh real estate market and a lot of my clients vanished, and um, it was not a good climate to work in real estate any longer. So it gave me an opportunity to, to pivot, or uh, that word is overused, but to decide, you know, what do I want to do next? I had a clean slate, so um, I have always been an environmentalist at heart and was working on some sustainability projects uh, at the time and decided to just go headfirst into solar um, because it's uh, it w- it, you could see the, the costs were coming down. It was being more widely adopted. The policy environment was improving, and uh, it's clean, renewable energy. Uh, so uh, it was a logical place for me to go, and it translated well f- from my real estate practice because I did a lot of development work with builders and developers for residential and commercial um projects and that means going from raw land all the way to say a residential neighborhood community and in in doing that development work uh, and the experiences with zoning and permitting and etc cetera, uh, it it translated really well to developing the solar projects uh, especially utility scale solar projects so In 2011, I very serendipitously met with Russell Seifert of Creative Solar USA, and that was uh, when Georgia Power started to purchase energy generated from solar as part of their um, uh, renewable energy mix of of their portfolio. And um, I worked with Creative Solar on developing those projects while Creative Solar did the construction. So it was a really good fit, and we had a lot of success together.
0: Awesome. Well, and then you sort of morphed into the Solarize program. So before we get in um, once again to the details, which, you know, I'm going to just totally geek out on, tell us about (laughs) where Solarize programs evolved from.
1: Well, they began um, with the Department of Energy. They were looking for ways to reduce the costs of solar, particularly the soft costs of solar, so through their SunShot initiative, they were giving grants out to to certain applicants um, who would buy into this idea of group purchasing or bulk pur- purchasing and using economies of scale to achieve lower prices and therefore wider adoption of solar. Um, so. Uh, From my understanding, it started in Oregon in 2009, and uh, they had a very successful program out there, and the Department of Energy used that as a template for more grant opportunities for other regions around the country. And states like North Carolina and uh, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, I know all took advantage of that, and they have had very successful Solarized programs as well Um, uh, I would say there's been at least over 200 If not 300 solarized programs around the country thus far And there's more popping up all the time And um, it's been a a pretty well proven model Um, And it's worked And it's gotten solar on the rooftops of more houses Than I would imagine otherwise would
0: well, and I think that um, folks who've been involved in Solarize programs um, would absolutely agree. Um, as I like to tell folks, people just really I mean, they understand what a panel is per se, but they don't necessarily know what it means to them to get it actually on their house. And that's the beauty of the Solarize program because there's so much education um, involved in the program. So there were there was the Solarize program down in Hyvee and then you partnered with uh, Environment Georgia and uh, Georgia Interface Power and Light to launch Solarize Athens. Why did you all choose Athens?
1: And the Georgia Climate Change Coalition. Um, Thank you. Why did we choose Athens? That's a good question. It was a, um, it was a logical place to start. Athens is a pretty progressive town, And, um, you know, it was the first time we had ever done a solarized program uh, with a particular model that that we employ. And I know that Environment Georgia was already doing work up there in Athens. In fact, Environment Georgia had a solar town hall meeting um, in Athens uh, before the program began. And what they did is... They got the residents and the community members in the room and and talked about various ways that the community can adopt solar, um, and Solarize was one of those. Um, I was at that event and met with some of the leaders of the city of Athens and Clark County, and um, kind of one thing led to another, and the program was born a few months later.
0: Now. And in both Solarize Decatur to Cab and Solarize Athens, having local government on board, even though they weren't formally included in the program, was critical to success. Yes?
1: Yes. Oh, yes, most definitely. Um, the, the the little coalition that we formed with Environment Georgia and Giple, um has been very fruitful, however, there’s no way you could just go into a community and, and run one of these programs by yourself. Um, you need, in, in my mind, to be a successful program. You need deep community engagement at all levels um, as much as possible, and that includes reaching out to other stakeholders, inclu- including different government departments and entities and other nonprofits in the area.
0: And I'm not going to go – we're not going to go deep and dive into permitting because, Casey, when I interviewed Casey, we spent like 30 minutes talking about permitting. But Mm -hmm. um, can we take like a 30,000-foot look at uh, permitting and like what possible solutions could happen in advance?
1: Yeah, permitting has turned out to be a big issue in doing a solarized program. Um, First of all, local communities, uh, you know, solar is rather rather new to them, and unless they already have a solar zoning ordinance or some kind of solar permitting process in place, then solar is just kind of adopted into whatever regulatory scheme that they already have. And it might not adequately apply to an actual building structure, and it might not apply well toward an accessory structure so special attention should be paid to how solar uh exists in their in their regulatory scheme as it exists right now and then how can we take that scheme and modify it to where we can do a streamlined permitting process there's there's certain things especially with residential solar that um where you should not require a structural permit for, for a rooftop solar array, as long as it's built on a code-compliant structure and it has UL-certified and pre-engineered materials that come along with it. Um, so that's why it would not fit in, in say, a building permit type of, of scheme because structural costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. And it, uh, it's really not necessary for residential. So for a solarized program to be successful, it's really important to go in as much as you can in advance to the community, to the jurisdiction, having authority, take a look at what their permitting processes are, sit down with the, with the building officials and, you know, basically educate them about what options are out there, um, uh, at Georgia Solar Energy Association, we adopted a streamlined model permitting process that um, they found very useful in Athens and uh, also, to some extent, in Decatur and some of the other jurisdictions in DeKalb County. So um, and it's really a win-win for everyone. It's a win for the installation company and for the customer because if a streamlined permitting processes in place then they can get their permit faster and cheaper it's also a win for the jurisdiction having authority because it helps them process a, a batch of applications much quicker using less resources and and taking uh, uh, less time and money to process those so it, if you can get in the community in advance iron out the permitting situation um, and, and have it streamlined for the installation company as well as the permitting office, then it will it'll certainly help aid in a successful solarized program.
0: Now, we know we had a bunch of surprises in the decatur de area. How, how was the city, well, Athens slash Clark County, how, how was the process there?
1: They were really proactive actually um, they worked with us to uh, to see what options were out there there was actually the um, uh, Chattanooga had adopted a model streamline permitting process a few months before and that and talking with those guys really helped the city of Athens uh, work through how such a process would work within their regulatory scheme and having seen a local community already implement this and hearing all the good things about it, they were really proactive in adopting one of their own.
0: Well, that's great. So, you know, because that is sort of not what it all happened in Decatur to despite our best efforts. And we won't go into that, but it's nice to know that there is a possibility for new permanent project. I felt like like even where, when we were well-prepared, it just didn't happen the way we were hoping.
1: Well, in Athens, we had uh, Andrew Saunders was really pivotal, uh, pivotal up there. And um, I think it, to have a leader or a champion that works with the local community um, and the government to help spearhead the effort and really push it through it was was very important and i think we got that in athens and maybe you know when we approached decatur and some of the other jurisdictions in dekabb county uh, i don't know if we had that that leader that that person that was carrying the ball for us all the way through the process in fact there was a little bit of turnover in Decatur, which i think affected our timeline but um um, it's real important to have somebody of some degree of influence at the city or county level that's that's helping push that through.
0: Okay. Well that's that's good to know. Um, and ironically, I mean, Solarize Athens was a big success. But we were not I, I mean I mean, we had sort of those tie in the sky ideas of like what Decatur D-Cab could be. But the 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 amazing outpouring initially sort of sort of took us back a little bit so for people who are um for people who are planning to do a solarized program, what do you think the key things for folks to know in regards to sign ups and registration and that kind of thing, what would help smooth that process?
1: Hmm. um well. I think one lesson learned from Decatur, the Solar Decatur Decab program, is that we uh, we had a, a solar town hall meeting in July of last year, but we didn't launch the program until September 1st. During that time, that in, in between that time, we did open a pre-registration uh, process on the webpage that would allow people who attended this event and had other interests to participate. It allowed them to sign up, um, you know, sooner than the launch period. Um, We had about 300 people, if I recall, sign up before we even launched on September 1st. That was the good news. But the bad news is that the pre-registration process only included limited information, like your first name, last name, and email address. As you know, in order to... To really do a good site evaluation, we need more information than that. We need address and and utility bill information and what what other site condition information that might be helpful as well. So we had to go back to those 300 people and ask them to to re-register after September 1st. In order to provide that information, um, despite our best efforts, sending several reminder emails and, and phone calls, we just were not able to capture all 300 of those. I think we only captured about 150 or so, maybe half. So, um, what I would recommend, that would you know, what would be very helpful is either don't have a pre-registration <laughs> sign-up period at all or if you're going to have a pre-registration sign-up period, then make sure that you request all the information that you're going to need so you don't have to go back to them a second time and, and gather that information.
0: That's very good advice. I do think that there is a challenge with people, like even though that we have all those community workshops sort of explaining everything, especially for people who do not attend a, a workshop, they're confused about why you would need 12 months bills, and, and, and a lot of people probably can't. You know, if they can put their hands on it, it feels like a, a very laborious job. Um, and and a lot of people just sort of like, I don't want to do the work, right? I want it, but I don't want it that bad kind of thing. So, um, you know, having, having as much information up front to sort of cut down the lead time would, would be very helpful.
1: Oh, tremendously so. And, you know, that's also helpful for the uh, selected installer. So in our case, once a participant submits their information, that information is immediately passed on to uh, the installation company. And the more information you can get them, at that initial stage, the the farther they're going to be in their process and the more productive their conversations are going to be with the customer. But there is, you know, there's a point where too much information uh, you're requesting on the front end will actually turn people off. You know, I mean, you, you want to have it simple enough to where you're going to engage people and people will sign up but not too detailed where they're going to get discouraged and just uh, turn it off and go somewhere else. So there's a, a fine line there that you have to balance. And, um, and uh, you know, we're figuring out as we go through these programs through trial and error um, how to best achieve those. So um, one of the things we implemented with Solarize Decatur to Cab is having a part of the, um, submittal form where you could upload copies of your bills, or you you could upload a spreadsheet of your last 12 months' information, and, and then you know being able to pass that information over to the installation company was very helpful.
0: And um, that's all very very good advice. So let's, I mean, I think we've sort of covered this, but in in sort of a comparison contrast to bring back old English terminology, in regards to challenges and successes,
1: were
0: were they the same for Athens and Decatur to Cab, or were they different? You know, t- tell us about how that that sort of worked out, because there's a lear- I, don't, I want people to realize that there is a learning curve, even if you've done because of the community aspect, right?
1: Oh, yeah, you learn more every time. You know, every time you do one of these, you learn lessons and you try to improve on the process. Uh, I would say the challenges were, were a lot of the same challenges, though. Um, um, you know, for Athens, we had one selected installer that did both residential and commercial. For Decab, because it was such a large ge- geographic area with many, many uh, cities, within, we decided to bifurcate that. And so, therefore, we selected an installer for residential, and then we selected another installer for commercial. Um, that that does complicate things, and it creates more of a challenge on the front end. But after we were able to implement those processes and, and get things squared away, then things, I think, ran pretty smoothly um, after that. The biggest uh, challenges that we had in Decatur, as you know, and I know, you know, we don't want to go into this too much, but the permitting, it was really uh, uh, very much a challenge because in in Athens, you know, we've got Clark County, they have their unified government, Athens-Clark County, and so that one government pretty much handled 80 to 90% of the permitting applications, whereas and so as Decatur, Decab, we have, you know, Decatur, Avondale Estates, Clarkston, Dunwoody, uh, a number of different uh, places that all have different requirements. And as, as much, you know, uh, we, we tried our, our best to get through to some of these folks and concentrating our efforts in central DeKalb, um, uh but still it – it, it wasn't enough, and we didn't get the streamlined permitting in place in time to make it as smooth as we, uh, as I think we wanted to.
0: Well, and I think the other thing is, is, is you know, because they also included the city of Atlanta and the DeCab actually, I think, in the with regards to permitting, that was like the easiest conversation. But it took a while to get them to sit down and focus on it, and I think that was the big challenge there. The city of Atlanta, they had done a lot, of work up front on the permitting process, but, you know, because they hadn't really had a hands-on sort of – the Department of Sustainability, you know, was doing a lot to sort of help it, and there was a lot of input. But, you know, it's one thing to talk about it theoretically. It's another thing when, you know, your engineer or your solar installer shows up at City Hall, the permitting office, And so that was, you know, so even though the city of Atlanta had, you know, very aggressively tried to solve problems that would would come up, it still ended up being a bit of a surprise there, more on the inspection side than on the actual permitting side.
1: So, um, exactly the The, the permitting process is you got to carry it all the way through inspection and approval, it's not just the upfront application whatever information that they require for approval it's it's the whole process as you as you uh highlight there with atlanta yeah
0: so um any other challenges and successes you think people should know
1: um i think commercial outreach is surprisingly difficult you know we have done these two solarized programs and um, the overwhelming majority of the participants who actually signed contracts were residential. Um, we did a lot of outreach in both Athens and Decatur to cab and even became members of the Decatur business association and went to their events and uh, talked to the chamber of commerce and um, all kinds of things. But that type of outreach for this type of program is uh, it's more complicated, there's more people involved, um, decision making takes a lot longer, um, uh, and you know, those sales cycles are just uh, so long and complex that it's, I think, a the lesson there is, is that you either have to have somebody specifically dedicated for commercial outreach and education. Um, or just you know, maybe not do commercial at all, just concentrate on residential. I think those are lessons that we've learned and that we're you know, going to carry over into new solarized campaigns to make sure that we have specific focus on the market that we're trying to reach.
0: Okay, so we are over time. I just want to let you know. We've got, but Hopefully we can take a couple more minutes because I, I want you to brag. Tell us about the success.
1: <laughs> well, um, let's see. For Athens, we had 700 people sign up, and we had 335 um, contracts for a total. I'm sorry, 75 contracts for a total of 430 kilowatts. For Decatur Decab, so far, we have another month of, of folks to actually sign contracts. But so far, we've had 84 contracts uh, for a total of 594 kilowatts. Um, so that is, uh, in my mind, an amazing success for the state of Georgia, where we have low electricity rates and, and really zero incentives available from the utilities or any tax credits or anything of that nature. Um, so... I think we're real proud of that success. And between the two, according to GeorgiaEnergyData.org, um, we have, through those two programs, um, taken a part in uh, over 50% of the residential installations in the state of Georgia since 2015. So that, that is something that we are very proud of.
0: Wow, that's really awesome. So making making the soup might be a little messy, but the the results are well worth the effort, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And so um, we are in the processes of revamping the the solar crowdsource platform to make it more user-friendly. And um, uh, also we're ramping up the crowdfunding portion of it. because we think that if you combine a solarized program where you have group purchasing and lower costs with a crowdfunding mechanism for nonprofits where people can donate money and get a tax deduction, and that money would be used to to help finance a a uh, solar project for your favorite nonprofit, then the two of those combined together um, uh, can really make a big difference so um, we're excited about the future of Solarize programs, and we think that um, we've had a good, two good, successful programs here in Georgia so far, and we're, we can't wait to see what's on the horizon.
0: Great. Now, Don, if anybody wants to get more information about um, using
1: Solar Crowdsource
0: or their Solarize program, how do they get in contact with you?
1: Well, they can go to solarcrowdsource.com, uh, you can email me at dawn at solar com, And um, I guess that's it. Those are the two best ways to contact me.
0: Super. Hey, thanks so much for your time today, and congratulations on all the success.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay. So we're going to have one more episode. Well, uh, well, hopefully we get two more episodes, but one for sure. We're going to talk to an actual non-participant in the organizing of Solarized to Decatur, Decatur, someone who just got involved and put it on their roof. Um, and, and I'm hoping we can get Sean Aurora from South Face on board because he's the guy that has all the numbers and actually is a homeowner also who participated in the program. So um, thanks so much to Don for, and um, congratulations on all the success. We are actually doing a two-first this week so tomorrow morning we are going to be not talking about solar. We're going to be talking about Uh, natural building supplies and and, uh, award-winning designs uh, from North Carolina. So I hope you'll join us, and thank you so much to our listeners. We could not do this without you. We are signing out with Jeff Hicks and Heretics Lysa Peach.